Always notice that there are four vowels of verbal attention. We get in a lot of trouble with what we speak. Yeah, we cause a lot of confusion. Today, I'd like to talk about a fruit of awakening, a fruit of arhatship, a fruit of nibbana, and it's called emptiness. And Panyawadi began to talk on it Sunday, and I'd like to, with your patience and kindness, continue to extend that talk today. It's very important. I'm going to work from the Sutta 121, the shorter discourse on voidness or emptiness. The one who bows and the one who is bowed to are both by nature empty. Just what does that mean? How do we utilize that? How do we work with that? So it says, Thus have I heard on one occasion the Blessed One was living at Savati in the Eastern Park in the palace of Megara's mother. Then when it was evening, the Venerable Ananda rose from meditation, went to the Blessed One, and after paying homage to him, he sat down to one side and said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, on one occasion the Blessed One was living in the Sakin country where there was where there is a town of Sakins named Nagaratka. There, Venerable Sir, I heard and learned this from the Blessed One's own lips. Now, Ananda, I often abide in voidness. Did I hear that correctly, Venerable Sir? Did I learn that correctly? Attend to that correctly? Remember that correctly? Certainly, Ananda, you heard that correctly, learned that correctly, attended to that correctly, remembered that correctly. As formerly, Ananda, so now too I often abide in voidness. Now, here's the explanation. Here's the, the meat, the crux of what he's talking about. Just as in this palace, in this palace that they were sitting in, of Megara's mother is void of elephants, cattle, horses, and mares, void of gold and silver, void of the assembly of men and women. There is present only this non-voidness, namely the singleness dependent on the Sangha of bhikkhus. So too, a bhikkhu not attending to the per perception of village not attending to the perception of people, attends to the singleness dependent on the perception of forest. Okay, now what is he telling us? That was a question, but I didn't get an answer, so I'll keep on going. It's it's finer than that, even. But that's that's getting there. But it's even finer than that. It's 
even simpler than that. No, it's not that broad or it's not that specific either. What? <laughs> which which part? Just the perception, lead in line, and then the very first abode. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm listening. So there's usually so there the. So the abiding mm -hmm. areas that are being pointed out mm -hmm. for perception to go, ah, I got that image in my mind. Could you just repeat one of those? I heard the forest, but I just... Okay, all right. Well, this, this is the crux of the teaching. This is what he's, what he's telling us, that the mess in our mind is what we track in. So we have to understand perception. What, what is perception? It's an aggregate. Perception is an aggregate. What does perception do? It goes out and qualifies an object. It identifies an object. It, it defines the object. Yeah? It goes out, all right? So that's the key right there, right? Trump lives in Mar-a-Lago, Washington, D.C., New York City, but he doesn't live in Hendersonville. He doesn't come to Dharma. But there are a lot of people here who have Trump in their heads. Right? Now, how did he get there? <laughs> okay. We go out and get him. Okay. We turn on CNN and Fox News and other networks to see what he tweeted this morning. And then we stew all day based on our interpretation of the tweet. But the only reason that Trump is in their head is because they went out and got Trump and brought him home. All right? Feel your clothes touching your skin right now. Is there anyone who can't feel their clothes touching their skin? Was there anyone who felt their clothes touching their skin before I said, feel your clothes touch your skin? All right? The point is, your clothes were touching your skin, yeah, from the time you put it on, right? But you did not go out, you did not have an awareness, you did not have an experience that that was happening until you went out and brought it back into the mind. So what this is teaching us is that the emptiness, the voidness, the space in mind is always there. It is us that clutters it up. 
We lament. We commiserate. We bitch that my mind is so cluttered and full of trash and pain and fear. But we never realize, we never ask ourselves, how did it get there? How did it come to be on this Tuesday morning that I've got this junk? But when we realize when we are aware that the reason that it's there is because I drug it home. Then we also realize how to get rid of it. We stop. So this is what this teaching is telling us very simplistically. That what's there, we brought there. And if we don't want it there, here's how we can dissolve it. Yes, that's the message. Hear it clearly. Reflect on it every day. It says, your mind enters into that perception of forest. Now remember what your preface, your pre-framing is for this. Before you start to think about forests, you've got to realize that you are abandoning the perception of village or Hendersonville. You are abandoning the perception of people or other Sangha members. Right? You are abandoning that. You are not Attaching to the perception, to the retrieval of that sense object. So you are selectively choosing to bring in what you want. Follow me? All right. When we do that, we are a void. We are void of what we don't bring in. You hear that? So if I don't bring people in, I don't bring in the disturbances that people bring with them. See how magical that is? (laughs) If I'm lamenting and complaining and sorrowful because there's someone in my head All I have to do is get them out. Take them back out the door and put them outside. Outside of mine. And then my mind is void of the disturbances that that image brings to me because it was inside. It is empty of that disturbance. He says, he understands, you know, you understand, you know, 
that whatever disturbances there might be dependent on the perception of village, those are not present here. Whatever disturbances that are, might be dependent on the perception of people, those are not present here. There is present only this amount of disturbance, namely the singleness dependent on the perception of forest. Nothing else. No Syria. No Trump. No politics. No assault. No disrespect. No nothing. Only what you bring in. Only that can disturb your mind to the degree that it has disturbances that disturb your mind. Once you begin to be selective in what you invite home, you can then begin to further weed out. Oh, when I bring that thought home, when I bring that memory home, when I bring that idea home, that disturbs me. That brings fear in me. That brings sorrow in me. That brings anger in me. I don't want that. Then don't bring it home. Because if I don't bring it home, it cannot bother me. I have no association with it. We have the power, the magic, to empty the cash, to throw away the cookies, to bind has a poor imitation, which is the computer. And we know how to work with the computer. We know how to get rid of the garbage and the trash and clear things up and make things run smoother, make things run faster. Well, the computer is a copy of the mind. If you're disturbed, you go in and empty the trash. And it can't bother you. If it does bother you, if you are bothered, it's only because you have brought it back in again. You took it out, you dug around in the trash, and you put it in your pocket and you brought it back in. It is empty of the things you leave outside. And the things that you leave outside cannot bother you because they do not exist in your mind. And what's in your mind is what makes your day.
you continue to evaluate and understand that this is present. What is present? What I brought in. And only this can flavor my day. And if I find anything else, if, if, I, if I have any disturbances that are not aligned with that truth, I realize that somehow they snuck in in my pocket. And all I have to do is put them back outside. not to attend to the perception of that item or that object. Not attend to. Not pay attention to. Not invite along. That's what attend is. Not to walk with. It can't bother you. It's like a vampire. It can't come in without an invitation. It has to stand outside on the balcony. It can't come in and suck your blood unless you let it in. How awesome is that? How wonderful is that? All of this time, you thought you had to be a blood donor. <laughs> Voidness, emptiness, that's what it's all about. It is nibbana, it is peace, it is stillness, it is emptiness, it is freedom, it is liberation from all of the things that bother you. Is there anyone who doesn't understand how to work this? Here's the card. See it? So now you get it. Now you understand why I always say, if you are suffering, you're not practicing. I'm not bashing you. I'm not demeaning your experience. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying you don't have to have it. It's real for sure. It makes you sweat. It makes you angry. It makes you puffed up. It makes you rail on your enemies and your friends. It hurts. It grates. It burns. It makes you feel sick at your stomach. It's real.
but you don't have to put up with it. That's the freedom. That's the simplicity of this teaching. Let it go. Relinquish. You know, we think that grasping and clinging has to do with hands and arms. And that's true. It does have to do with hands and arms. But it also has to do with mind. When we hold on to something, when we attach to something with the mind, the mind does this. And until we do this with the mind, it holds on, it doesn't let it go. We have got to, with volition, release it from the mind. We can't just wish it away. We can't just say, you know, we can't wave a a wand. We've got to actually feel, just like we feel the hand open up and let go. We've got to feel the mind open up and let go. We can't say it's gone when the mind is still here. It's like fluffing a pillow. Like right. just put the mind just loosening it up, letting it go. Shaking it off. Feeling the tension, feeling the release in the mind, just like you feel the release in your hands and forearms when you let go. Just like you feel the release in your back and shoulders when you let go. You feel the release here. You can begin to develop the sensitivity And the experience of that, when you are sitting or standing or walking or lying down and you are practicing samadhi or concentration, and you find yourself holding on to a thought, an idea, a story, a program, and you're lost in it, and you realize it, and you go, oh, no, I'm not focusing on my breath. I'm focusing. I'm holding on to this, this ideation. So before you come back to the breath, you let it go. You open the mind. We've heard this term, closed-mindedness. But have we ever thought about that? Have we ever in-pictured that? How do I have closed 
mindedness around something. In order to let it go, I've got to let it go. Got it? Awesome. (laughs) That, my friends, is voidness. Empty of what you don't bring in. If you want it totally empty, then don't bring anything in. Anything. It's like the house before you move in. It's only there because you bring it. If you don't want it, move it out. That's all I can think of. Is there any questions or comments? I think this is another one of those things that's simple, but it's not always easy. <laughs> right. And um, my question is, you know, sometimes if you have a piece of conditioning that's really intense for you, very deeply entrenched, by the time you see it, you've moved through contact, feeling, tone, craving, clinging. By the time you're with it, you're well into the process of suffering, and mm-hmm. then letting it go is is just much harder you know because you it's built up so much momentum in your mind um i'm sure the solution is catch it earlier you know if i can catch it at contact then i can keep it the snowball from from uh accelerating but um are there any other tricks (laughs) (laughs) the trick is not making it more complicated than it is The illusion is that we attach a sense of authenticity to it because it feels real. You know, uh, this, you know, this this is real. I, I feel this burn in my gut. You know, I feel this pounding in my heart. I know this is real. This is the real thing. But it's not. And. The solution is to recognize its emptiness, its illusionary quality, and not concretize it. And when I demystify it, I'm able to let it go quicker. It's only because I think it's real that I am reluctant to ignore it, to abandon it. You know, well, there's got to be something to this. Maybe I better examine it. Maybe I better hold on to it for a while. Maybe I better analyze it. But when I realize it's a trick, it's smoke, then I let it go. And remember... Clinging is the volition. Letting go is the solution. 
It's not saying that any of those are not real. It's just saying that in order to abandon one, I've got to do something different. I can't cling and not cling at the same time. So if I don't want to cling, I've got to let it go. And how I manifest that, you know, whether it's, whether it's something as clear to me as opening up my fist or whether it's something not so clear as opening up my mind. But the point is I'm still I'm still illustrating that volition. I'm still imagining, imaging that volition. It still has occurred whether I do this or whether I do this. It still occurred. And that's what I've got to do. If I don't do that, it won't happen. I've got to go through the steps. Yes? Okay. So that's what has to be done. I, I can't talk it out. I think one of the practices that I, uh, you know, uh, teach or just uh, implanted in uh, almost all my clients that works is that just observing. And I realized that somehow I was from a childhood, I guess I observe or listen to myself like sort of like uh, you watch your own movie. You know, some kind of conscious thing. And then I notice many people, they're not really aware or they don't really realize what they're saying or how they feel their stomach or at the moment. So one should start to do that exercise or sometimes like maybe all day is difficult for people at the beginning. But as soon as start to see what is happening, and I think that very easy to stop it before it proliferates. But that's like sort of maybe meditative or I don't know how, you know, like dishwashing or whatever the activity you choose, and then you start to see how your feet works or how your heart works or what you feel and sort of like that. And then that practice will pick up much earlier than all the way doing. And I see everyone that I was coaching, they all able to do it. Depending on, you know, some people, they do it quickly or whatever. But this observing practice, to me, is a really good one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You got to do it to do it. What comes up for me recently, I'm <clears throat> reading a book, is if really deeply in contact with inner spaciousness, and projecting out and seeing voidness, 
no boundaries, no separation, that I still want that object to be there and to see it as experiencing as its true nature before it became tree or forest. So the anxieties about pure perception being um, something we want to sink into. Okay, don't, don't muddy the waters. You can't have an object and voidness at the same time. Remember, it's only empty of what you don't bring in. So, again, the authenticity of it is that in the beginning, it was empty. So you don't have to create emptiness. It's already empty. The mind is authentically and beautifully made with nothing but space. It's our clutter that we see. So when you see clutter, remember you brought it in. It's yours. It's not the mind's. And you take it away. You let it go. If you don't like what's there, you understand why it's there. Well, oh, I hate Trump. Then you leave Trump out of your head. That's that simple. You don't assassinate him. You don't wish him harm. You don't wish him, you know, anything. You just leave him out of your head. Then you are void of that object and the disturbances that that object brings. Now what you have there is what you've got there. It is that, that to that degree, you are full of something. But remember, the thing we're trying to free ourselves from is being free from being full of crap. Yeah? So if you don't bring that in, it doesn't stink. But you have what you have. So in order to have space, you have to meditate on space. You can't meditate on an object and be empty. So don't make it harder than it is. Don't, don't bring confusion into it. You got, in other words, you got what you got. All right. So, let's go in and get some emptiness going. Let's go in and do that. Uh, to uh, clear and soften the mental continuum, let's bring some loving kindness up for Marsha. Marsha is having a procedure today at Mission. So we're going to bring some loving kindness up for her. And then once you do that, then start clearing everything out of the house of mind. By selectively bringing in 
what you want. And again, the way it works is the way it works. You can perceive yourself to be in Hendersonville. So that means that whatever is in Hendersonville can disturb you because that's your perception that you brought in. But what's going on in New York, in Syria, Washington, D.C., Rome, Italy, can't because you don't bring it in. So you know that it is filled with what you brought in, but it is empty of what you didn't bring in. And to that degree, it's empty. And then you go on and chip one more off. So you leave out or you move out Hendersonville and you bring in the Dharma Hall. And what's in the Dharma Hall you got? Everything outside of the Dharma Hall is not in your mind. So it cannot bother you. And then, if the people in the Sangha are bothering you, you put them out. And all you've got left are chairs and walls and space. See how it works? Okay, let's make it work.
So, here's what to be mindful of. The mess we find inside is our own tracks. Now, how do we stop ourselves from tracking inside the house? We wipe our feet at the door. That's guarding the sense gates. Leave it out there. Don't bring it in. That's how you guard. You act as a filter. You say, this I will bring into the mind because it's wholesome. This I will not bring into the mind because it's unwholesome. It will bring me joy. It will bring me pleasure. But even that you have to be careful of. You have to be aware and mindful that what is pleasurable in one moment does not have to stay that way. And so when you experience the disturbance, you go in and find out where the disturbance is coming from and you take it outside. You know, Kay, our supporter, has three cats, or we all have three cats because we're all there at the house. And one cat is an outside cat. Comes in to eat, but then wants to go back outside. And when you don't let it outside, if it's raining or cold, it starts shredding the drapes. So you let it go. And that's what you have to do with things that are shredding the gate, the drapes of your mind. Instead of fighting it, struggling with it, you put it out. And when it's out, it can create no disturbance into the interior of your consciousness. So you're free. You're steady. You're equanimous. So be mindful when you detect a disturbance. Identify its object. Put it out. It's that simple. It's that easy. It's that magical. Thank you so very much for everything that you do for us and support your wisdom, your energy, your kindness. May all beings be liberated from suffering. May they be well. May they be happy. May they be peaceful. Uh, remember Marsha in your heart today. Remember everyone in your heart today. Smile at a stranger and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.